Hello and welcome to the Summer Camp Stories podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Soundjoinson, and over the past 20 years, I've been a camp counselor, program specialist, group leader, CIT director, and camp director. So join me as I reconnect with old camp friends and learn about their journey and hear their summer camp stories. Ben Wetton to the podcast. Ben Wetton, please report to the podcast. Hello, thanks for having me. Much appreciated. Been looking forward to this. Good, it's good to see you. You're one of the folks that I really got to know. Well, and I and I met during that time when I went back in 2008 for a few weeks for the yep. teen tour. So it's good to have someone on the podcast that I know decently enough, but we were never super close because I think that, you know, maybe 10 days of that time I was out there, we got yeah, to hang out right, a little yeah. bit and both like, Liverpool fans. Guy's just going, yeah. on, going on the trip, like, yeah. but it's okay, he's a red, so it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> They're flying him in just for this. He must be... <laughs> He's, he's yeah, wormed his I, way I, in. Yeah, I've or... heard of this guy. Yeah. Now I know. Now I know. <laughs> <laughs> well, tell us then. Tell us about you. Tell us who you are, where you are, what you do now, and then when you went to camp. Okay, so I'm um, I'm Ben Wetton, obviously. I um, I live in England. I live in Leeds, which is in the north of the UK. Not in, a, a lot of Americans, when, when I see them, it's like, oh, how's London? No, I live in the north. I live yeah. in Leeds. Um, originally from near Liverpool. And I'm a teacher. Uh, I'm a secondary, well, I'm an assistant principal, actually, in a high school. Oh, nice. So I deal primarily with, I think in America, it's like whatever the top two grades are. It's 17 and 18. Or it's oh, six so all, 11th and 12th grade. 11th and 12th grade. They're primarily. So yeah. I'm in charge of those guys pretty much. Yeah. Um, CIT is an older book. Yeah. CIT is yeah. an older book. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> um, so I've, I work in high school. So I've been teaching pretty much like since I started working, since I finished university. So yeah. I have a wife. I'm married. Um, I've got a young son. Nice. Called Harvey. And yeah, we're just, um, we're, we're in the middle of our summer. Well, I'll say the middle, near the end of our summer holidays now. And yeah, and yeah it's been, it's been nice. So. Nice. And you went to, so you were at camp. Did you go to camp in 2000? Did you start in 2007? So yeah, I was 2007 to 2009. Gotcha. Um, so yeah, my, my first year was 2007, where I was a general counsellor. I was a general counsellor again in 2008. And then in 2009, I uh, I did half a summer yeah. because I it, it kind of overlapped with my first year of teaching. And I came as a group leader, which was interesting. I'll talk about that a little bit later. But yeah, yeah. so <laughs> so three years total or, or, or two and a half summers, if you like. Yeah. Nice. So how did you hear about camp in the first place? What made you want to apply for working in the US? Um, so, I mean, from from a really young, and I say a really young age, when I was in what what we call high school, when I was in year eight, actually, um, so what's that? What grade is that? Seventh grade? Something like that. Yeah. I, I, I went on a on a school trip to uh, to Martha's Vineyard actually in Massachusetts oh, uh, really? we had an, we had an exchange program and it was beautiful and, and obviously from that point that was my first experience of America and I loved it like yeah. met met some friends then obviously who who were my kind of exchange partners they, they came to stay with me I went to them so I always had this affinity with with America as soon as I got back from from that trip I was like I want to spend more time there and obviously when I was young there wasn't a lot of opportunity to do that and and Camp America which is what it's often referred to as here mm-hmm. is something that I'd heard a lot about but I'd never actually got around to doing it because I'd, I'd gone to university and, and university was is, is quite hectic and, and your summers you've got like I mean we have tradition obviously in the UK of going away on like holidays when we're young you know to, yeah. to, to Europe to, to Greece that kind of thing and it's just something that never worked out and then in my third year of university three of my housemates went to work um over a summer at uh, Camp Summit actually which mm. I think is nearby uh, somewhere it's it's in upstate New York and um and they came back and so it must have been our second year they came back and they'd absolutely loved it yeah. 
Yeah. And I was just so jealous. And I was like, oh, <laughs> goodness, like, this is something that I've always wanted to do. So I thought I would do it the next summer when I'd finished university. And I was conscious of the fact that it was it was a bit of a now or never moment. Like, if I didn't do it then, yeah. I would never do it. So I went when I was 21. And I, I heard about it just, there was programs, they were advertised at university and stuff like that. I think my program was called Camp Leaders. Yeah. Someone came to the university, they, they made an appointment, we had an interview. I went to like a kind of this big kind of taste session where counsellors from, from a variety of camps were there and they were telling you what camp was like and, and whether or not you wanted to do it. And it was a little bit of a trial run. I never, and, and I've heard some other people talking on, on the podcast about how they arrived at Neshopa and they kind of chose it um, at like a big, was it Joey who said about the, the big- The camp fair. Thing? Uh, yeah, yeah, like a, we would just allocate. They said, where do you want to go? I said, I want to go somewhere on the East Coast because obviously I had that affinity with with Boston mainly. Yeah. So I just want to go somewhere on the East Coast. I'd love to go to New York. And they said, great. And then they assigned the chauffeur to me. And um, and yeah, and, and then it went from there. So it was, and, and I said, I don't really want to do anything, especially as I played a lot of sport. Yeah. I played a lot of football, rugby. And I was just like, yeah, I, I want to be a general counsellor. So let's do it. Nice. Yeah. I was just given the chauffeur as well. I never... Got oh, to really? pick at any point. I think I it's, I was they like picked the me one. for go-karts, though, because I, I was doing go-karts in high school, college. Yeah. So I just got a letter that said, hey, Mishopa, pack up, let's go. I think I think they, they saw my application and thought, this guy's a, a jack of all trades and a specialist <laughs> of none, so let's just make him a general counsel. He's got a little bit of everything. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Do you remember who were some of the first people you met when you got to camp and who was who were a couple of the first friends you made? So it's, it's strange, really, because I've been thinking about this and, and obviously listening to some of the the pods and stuff like that and the first kind of week that orientation week of 2007 is is a blur because yeah. you know i i went alone as i'm sure a lot of people do and you don't know anybody and right. you, you're coming from an environment where everyone knows you like at university i say everyone your your close circle of friends and you're kind of I don't know, it's, you, you're kind of trying to scope it out and, you know, think about who you're going to get on with and things like that. The, the first people I, I guess that I, I remember having kind of a, a close kind of relationship with, if you like, or, or having that affinity to was, was probably Mike Perlowitz, who's still my friend today. So yeah. we were put in a bunk together with, um, with our group leader at the time, who's was a guy called Russ. He only did one summer, Russ Kaladenka. Mm. And so I, I I got on with Mike pretty much straight away and um, kind of hung out with him. There was also two Irish guys, James Waterworth and um, and Wayne Alexander. They And they were also in my division. And again, that kind of British connection and, and the fact that they were both kind of from Northern Ireland and they had a quite wicked sense of humour. Yeah. And we, we got on really well as well. So I guess them. But yeah, that first week was was really a blur. I remember big characters. So I remember kind of all the group leaders are quite big characters. So James Baronishan, you know, yeah. Chris Robb, um, Camille, you know, these these yeah. characters who you think, wow, you know, when you're new and this is a whole new environment to you, these, it's like these guys know everything and you kind of look up to them and think, right, okay, that's that's what I want to aspire to be like. So so yeah, probably probably James and Wayne, but but certainly um, Mike and, and Russ, because we the three of us were together in, in a, in a bunk so yeah definitely those tell me about then you know once you're all sorted into your cabins who are some yeah. of your cabin mates um, kids and counselors okay so in uh in 2007 um see when so in 2007 it changed and i don't know whether it was the first year that it changed because i know you guys from the earlier years talk about things like letters and numbers like b and yeah we were just like i was starting b13 and i think i was b21 or b23 yeah this this means nothing yeah. to me. They all they all had names. <laughs> so um so like it went the youngest the youngest kids were the Hawks. Okay. And then it was like um we were in Navajo, Navajo left and Navajo right. Gotcha. Um, 
so we're in Navajo, right? And that was with um so it wasn't like the the youngest kids, it was it was the next ones up. Mm-hmm. Um or maybe a couple of, of, of ones up. Um so it was the likes of um so kids, it was like um Austin and and J V and, and Ben Shaw and, yeah. and kids like that. Really good bunch of kids. Like I say, in um, in our division, it was Russ, who was, who was only really there that summer. He was he was a really cool kind of group leader. Yeah. Mike. There was James and Wayne. There was um, another uh, British guy called um, Warren, and there was um, a, another American guy called uh, Mark Tanser, who oh, was I know. kind of like yeah. really. I know so Mark Mark's like a really kind of like straight up, you know, tells it how he sees it. Yeah. His humor is very different to ours. So, you know, you'd kind of have a bit of a crack of a joke with him and yeah. you'd take a very serious conversation. So there was an interesting dynamic there. He was a kid um, the whole the whole time I was there previous to that. Oh, really? He was just one of the kids that you're like, this kid's awesome. This kid's yeah, going to yeah. be like a solid counselor. Yeah, that's funny. Yeah, I'm glad and, he was a counselor. He was. Yeah, he was. And I think he only did that summer. But yeah, yeah. so he was in he was in that bunk. My my second year, second year was was different because as, as you might remember yourself, when you come back, you know it. And yeah. so you kind of know what to expect. You're not kind of the new kid on the block anymore. And you can kind of express yourself a little bit more, certainly in those early stages. So yeah. we were in the magic room in 2008. With kids in the magic room? Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. They, okay. I think the division was too big, so gotcha. it was with it was with um, like Alex Eisen, Matt Cohen, yeah, uh, Dave Kirstenstein, those kind of kids. They were we were we were in the magic room, and previously one of our I don't know whether there was not much to do in orientation week, but <laughs> in 2007 we painted. So James Wayne and I painted the magic room, yeah, and we did it all out like it was going to be a magic room. Not once in my time at Neshopa did any magic take place in that room. It just became a bunk. <laughs> It was like, um, I think it was going to be Garage Band. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. And again, I think it was just one kid with a guitar in there who was like occasionally playing on, on an elective, one of the counselors. Yeah. No, and then literally, it was called the Magic Room. You, you'll know better than me. Was it once a Magic Room? I, I don't think know. it was. I think it was. I think Ian. The magician, if you know Rachel Sayowitz, her dad was a magician that would do electives. And I maybe at one point he was in there. One thing I can tell you about the magic room, I lived in there my very first summer for maybe two weeks right. as a specialist who then moved up in up on the hill to be 13, which was the cabin opposite the crawls trailer. Oh, so yeah, the one yeah. kind of facing out towards the yeah. rec hall and down that line towards them where the infirmary and stuff was. But I put up some of the wall boards in the magic room on the inside right. and we put pizza boxes and all sorts of stuff in the in the walls where we were putting those wall boards up so there's a little magic in those walls but it's in the yeah i mean we painted the boards i imagine yeah yeah i mean it looks i mean it looked magic um but it was far far from and so so that became so that was that was senior boys and we were at the end of the line and we were at magic room so that was just me uh, a british guy called jonesy and um and a guy called malcolm who was who was a similar age to me actually he was a little bit older but he was a really cool guy and there was just three of us because obviously the senior boys are, are by that time that you know they're quite self-sufficient yeah. they just need us to supervise we then in 2009 now this is awful because i came halfway through yeah. and dan simone was another group leader he had two divisions and basically i took one off him just so he could manage yeah i don't actually remember who any of the counselors were because, I, uh, because <laughs> they're listening kind of, they're listening right everyone now was, everyone was kind of mucking in together <laughs> yeah and um, i thought of people i think bernard was in there like yeah. obviously bernard's a good friend of mine now too um but yeah it was again that summer was was a strange one because it was it was halfway through yeah um but i i led again the the, the same boys that that year so it was like you know jv and those kids and in, in as, as they were coming into 
to that, that whole deal. And I guess that a Magic Room story, you found out finally through listening to this podcast who TP'd oh, the Magic Room. That was an unbelievable moment. I was literally <laughs> listening to the podcast, making dinner, and I stopped. And I was like, what? Like, I did not know to this day, <laughs> Joey Carey, TP in the Magic Room. I was so mad. Yeah, I was like, I've got to clean all this up, blah, blah. and you know, you're tired. Yeah, clean up, you know, clean up after breakfast. That's one of the worst times, isn't it? Yeah. When you're just like, ah, oh. last thing you want to do is clean up. And so it's toilet paper, and literally, I thought it was one of the kids, and yeah. So to, to that, I mean, I told you, didn't I? I said yeah. that, that's the first I'd heard of it. So yeah, he's going to get it next time I see him. I might go down to what is his football club yes. and just oh, yeah. do that. <laughs> take a trip down to Crawley. Just yeah, take trip, yeah, just for that, just for that. <laughs> Who do you still speak to then today from your camp days? Uh, and is there someone you wish you could reconnect with? Yeah, so a, a bunch of people actually I, I still speak to. I'm really lucky. So yesterday actually we did our uh, i'm in a fantasy football league with yeah. with several other guys from uh from the Chopra and, and a couple from lakota i think so there's like dan dan simone is in there mike ben pinsky yeah oppie's in there eisen yeah zyke you know is in huge there names well. huge names yeah so and uh you know and a bunch of others and um, it's 12 team league we do that every year we, we have a trophy yeah and um, we we take it really seriously i think they put me in it because they thought oh this you know he's not going to know i've won it twice uh, i had to get that in somewhere in the podcast yeah uh, the, the year i won it actually was the year i went on my honeymoon and uh, the trophy came with me and my wife on our honeymoon it did a little tour of america so i hope um, your wife wasn't the third wheel on that honeymoon she, she wasn't we did however <laughs> get stopped at an airport in hawaii when they had to open the case because they didn't know what it was <laughs> it's like it's my fantasy football trophy so yeah we we have that fantasy football league so I speak to those guys all the time, like a ton. I'm I'm really close with with Dan, yeah, Simone and Mike. They they Dan was the master of ceremonies at my wedding. Um, oh, fantastic! Because I thought, you know, you have master of ceremonies, people who announce things. I'm like, who's the best person I know at that? And I, I really wanted, <laughs> I really wanted Dan to be a part of our wedding. So he uh, he is immortalized in our wedding video as as being our master of ceremonies. That was great. Mike also came over and he stayed with us and. And it meant a lot to me that they came over and were able to be a part of, of you know, our day. Yeah. You know, unfortunately, I wasn't able to, to go to Mike's because of COVID, yeah. um, which is something that, that you know, is, is really unfortunate. But one day I'm hoping to, to return that uh, gesture to Dan. In terms of people in this country, so I'm really close with another Dan, Dan Goldborn, who um, who was my lieutenant when I was Colorado General yes. in, uh, in 2008. Green or grey? Um, green. Good lad, good um, lad. Yeah. Green prehistoric. We'll go into that in a bit. Uh, yeah. And um, so Dan Goldborn, who lives in Essex, we're, we're really, really close. He was in my wedding too. And, and Paul Edge, yeah. who obviously is from a similar part of the world to me, who despite mm-hmm. being an Evertonian, we're, we're very close friends. And yeah. and we meet, my, my wife's family are from Liverpool. So whenever we can, we meet for, for brunch or whatever. And, uh, you know, it's so, so yeah, a lot of people. And, and I feel really fortunate to have met, you know, loads of different people at camp. I, I occasionally speak to others on, on social media, mm-hmm. but, but they're the main, main people that I speak to still. Who's someone that you lost connection with or lost touch with that you wish you could find? Yeah, so I guess mainly, so Jonesy, uh, Adam Jones, who was... Uh, I, I shared who was in Magic Room. He, yeah. he was uh, so Jonesy was such a great character. He was a great athlete. He literally give him like he'd never played American football. Give him American football and he'd just throw it fifty yards. Yeah, I'm like oh you played no, you know give him a baseball he crack a home run. Um, great athlete, but he's also one of these 
guys who he, he like came to camp with like a what seemed like a plastic bag you know like a plastic <laughs> bag with a pair of shoes and a change of shorts and t-shirt and that's yeah. it and, but like yeah such an awesome guy and, and we we met up a couple of times um like the, the couple of years following camp but then we lost touch so so he'd be great to, to get back in touch with and then also those guys from from the first year really so james and wayne who i talked about earlier and yeah. um i still speak to wayne occasionally on on social media lost touch with james completely um and then also russ as well you know who was, mm-hmm. was really good in that first year we we stayed with him at his, his place so yeah i mean there's there's too many to mention i didn't have many and people may, might say it differently the way around but i i i don't think i had any negative interactions with anyone really and that was what made camp so great yeah well what are some of your you know when you think of camp what are some of the just big memories that come to mind and i'll you know i always do a memory that i have with the guest and of course we spent you know a couple of weeks together at camp yeah so i've got a camp one that you were involved in and then just a non-camp one as well so the i'll do the non-camp one first so we th- there was a fantasy basketball league happening and i somehow found my way in it i think there was a space and like well we know him he lives in the u.s now he probably knows a little bit about basketball and i've you know i've been to a lot of portland trailblazers games you know i've probably been to about yeah. 20 games so i know a little bit and i follow them specifically so everyone else i think the the draft time was was at a decent hour and for me it was like 3 a.m so i was like i'm just gonna program in a team that i think will do good not thinking draft wise and i got the second pick and i had no idea so at the top of my list at the time was brandon roy who was a solid player i thought it was going to be a season it was the season that his knees went and i think he retired midway through but so as the first person picked lebron or kobe you know one of those two that were just dominating the league at the time so then my pick comes up and it's Brandon Roy, who probably most everybody else doesn't know much about because he's on a small market team that, and he's good. You know, you know, if you know him, you know he's good. But I get a message from you the next day. It was like, who the fuck's Brandon Roy at the second pick? <laughs> and it just made me think, cool, cool. <laughs> Thanks, Ben. And yeah, the other sorry, one. I, mean, I will take that opportunity. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, take the piss as much as you want. It's, it's all good. <laughs> And then the other one was, and you know, if you know, you know what the the missing pieces of this story, I'll only tell so much of it, but there'd always be a group of us after OD would go and check in at the White House. And then, you know, if, if people came back from a, from a night off or a day off and you just wanted to make sure they went right back to bed, you know, you, we had to go in and do bed checks. So we, but we were sitting there around just kind of thinking who's who are we gonna have to find tonight who's gonna be messing around or whatever and as we do that um, a girl comes up and just walks right in front of us all sitting in our chairs on the front of the white house which is the program office at Neshopa holding something in her hand not gonna tell everybody what that is but again if you know you know so we were like okay well she clearly wasn't out on her own so who could it be and not too long before that i think a bunch of you went up to a cabin just to mess with paul edge because he was a buddy of everybody's you know great guy toffee but a great guy and you came back and then as that happened and we were like you need to go back to your cabin and we said you know you can't be out your kids are in there you got to make sure you're in there all that stuff someone realized was like wait a minute edge edge was kind of filthy what's he been doing so i think like you and james baronition went back and opened the door and just smiled at him and he was like oh he knew like he knew that you knew where he'd been and i just remember for days after probably weeks probably to this day you know but i left a little earlier than everybody else that year he just got it he just got it from everybody for the rest of that time 
and it was relentless and i remember you being there and you were just you thought it was the best ammo that you could possibly have against oh, this guy it was fantastic yeah but it was and ended <laughs> up being uh, ended up being my direct opponent in color war as well so uh, he was he was the other general wow so, um, a merseyside derby color war yes, that's incredible that's incredible yeah it was it was um so yeah i guess in terms of memories i mean like you say we uh, we were like passing chips really yeah. Um, I'd heard a lot about you. And then when you came, you, it was like, oh, you know, and you see the stories about you were I, the, the, not to revisit stuff that you've already kind of done on previous, but it was the, it was the phone thing, man, you know, from um, <laughs> the trigger happy TV, trigger happy TV. Yeah. Which obviously is, as a British person, I got. Yeah. And then, and I, and, you know, I really liked it Thought it was hilarious. Um, but yeah, I heard a lot about you. You obviously left a lot of legacy at that camp. And then, yeah, 2008. So it's my second year. I'm feeling more comfortable you know thinking i've established myself a little bit might get selected to go on some trips and stuff and then who do they fly in to, to take these <laughs> the bahamas in disneyland i'm like oh here he is yeah he's coming coming for 10 days as he just to come in there take the kids away so you know um but i, I knew to be honest and, and genuinely within about 10 minutes of me and you that you you were like an awesome guy and i thought right you know had had i been there a year previously where i believe you were a group leader 2006 yeah yeah i, I would have i would have seen you in the same light as the guys i was talking about before you just were in that mold yeah i'm in glad it was positive the- especially if dan simone was the person telling you about the trigger happy sketch because he hates it not. still hates it i know i know <laughs> i believe so yeah i mean in terms of favorite memory and again without kind of revisiting ground that has been already color war is just fantastic you know obviously and i feel really privileged to to have been a color war general Mm -hmm. um because i know it's it's so strange because the the first year when you in in orientation you do like a a staff mock color war don't you and i thought this is a bit lame in it like they can't really get that much into this and i remember by the time it came around and to 2008 and i was a general i was like screaming running around really into it like and i remember dan goldborn telling me the same thing he was like when you explained to me at the start of summer what color was i was like what are you talking about this is going to be terrible (laughs) and by the end i think there's an there's an image i've got it it's on facebook somewhere of the team side by side as they announced the result and a lot of people look quite nonchalant but me and dan are like celebrating like we've just won the world cup (laughs) and uh and yeah so color war was was awesome obviously a big memory of, of color war for me was was the watermelon which i won nice, um, nice. keep that green team tradition yeah, going. green green prehistoric we um, and also obviously because edge was a blue for our fight song we used so you know that song they have that if you know your history song mm-hmm. and it's basically about liverpool fans well i split i span that into a a green prehistoric song about the gray team and no one else got it because no one knows about football chance but yeah. how good a football chance by the way for for wars you could just Perfect. adapt any yeah. any football fan and um but edge got it and that was the main thing um and so yeah just that whole kind of idea of if you imagine trying to do a color war in the uk it wouldn't work would it no and but like you it's it's typifies everything about camp how your walls come down and you just completely become encapsulated into this camp spirit this bubble yeah. that, that is camp you know it's not a particular memory but 
when you go away for um, a day off or a night off and you come back, you feel like you've missed out on so much because you've been out of the bubble. Yeah. And it's 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 such a strange, and it's something I've never experienced before or since. And it's something that you can never replicate. And it's so special. Yeah. And to be a part of that um, for three summers is, is something that I, I hold kind of really, really dear to me. I guess one of my other favorite memories was it's kind of a bittersweet memory, really, because as, as, I, as I said before, um, I arrived midway through 2019. And um, so I'd already missed kind of like four weeks of camp, five weeks with orientation. Yeah. So I was already and, and I'm at school in the last four weeks working and seeing pictures go up and yeah. hearing about college weekend and so bummed out that I'm not there yeah and then I'm so excited on the journey there on the flight and just getting there and when I got there I saw Dan Dan knew I was coming Dan Simone yeah and then um, we just went straight to White House and just announced to <laughs> I, I asked uh that not that I was there that sounds really bad I asked for the green prehistoric general female general which was Alexa Linksman to come oh, to the White fantastic. House fantastic and um and yeah and it was my voice and so that and then just seeing her because um, we were really close as well and then just um everyone who'd been there the previous year it was it was awesome that was such a great feeling and then what I said before about that bubble and coming back it was like I'd missed the first five weeks that bubble but then I was in it straight away and yeah and I'll never ever forget that memory of getting in a cab from Middletown train station and getting out of that cab and walking up you know where the the hut was at the bottom yeah and just being like right I'm here and it felt like you were home your yeah. summer home you know and um, so I guess that's a really vivid memory that that I have probably my favorite memory nice what is and you know you talked about color war but you know there's yeah. so many events whether you know even the activities during the day just the yeah. general activities to take up your entire day was there ever yeah. a favorite activity or you know yeah. obviously color was a favorite I was or a favorite you know I think of things like mountain creek and blueberry mountain was that what it's called yeah. the, the I never went place? to blueberry mountain oh. it's like a it's like the holy grail for me I never went it was um, built on top of, of like or very close to a sewage plant or something. I just remember oh. it always stunk, so it wasn't the best. But you know, like there was oh. the the roller skating at that very sixties yeah. awful place. Like, what are some of your favorite activities and events like that? Yeah, so I guess from, um, obviously I'm, I play a lot of football. Yeah, and so a, a really good memory for for me memories over the years was going to play other camps at football, yeah. and it was so surreal when you think about it now because evening activity would finish at like nine thirty, right? That's yeah. when the that was right, wasn't it? Nine thirty. And then you'd go at 9.30 to another camp and you'd kick off at like 10.30. Yeah. And you had to be the next. It's so crazy to think about it now. So we'd go to like Chippenau and they were our our big rivals and i'm like when i think about it now why were they our big rivals because we were playing them in a game and you'd go and and again it was quite similar to color war in a game of soccer yeah and um but you were so into it yeah you know, like right, we've got to beat these guys we've got to do this and i i used to love those night games because you play under lights we didn't obviously have the lights in the show so we always had to go away it yeah. felt like a bit of um it felt like a bit of an event yeah if anyone was off that night they'd come down and they'd watch yeah and and it felt like um, a proper game. And, yeah, uh, yeah. So we we went to we went to Chippenaw a few times. That that was great. I, I remember, remember going... I did. Um, I was on the other side of the camp fair a few years back. Like I was flown over to London and Leeds to to do the camp fair and I went in and across from my table was the camp Chippenor table so I went over while we were setting up I was like oh I've been out to Chippenor and they're like oh tell me why so I was like oh, I used to work at Camp Neshopa and we used to come and play uh, soccer against you guys and as soon as I said Neshopa the look of disgust right on the person like- I was like wow like we are we have so much in common yeah it's just bizarre. You don't know. You don't know these people. Like yeah. these people could be awesome, but because yeah. they're working at a different camp, you're like, I hate these guys. I beat these guys. 
Um, but I remember like that. And I also remember going to, um, this must have been 2018 because Dan Goldborn um, was, was there that year and he was playing. And 2008. Played, uh, 2008, so yeah. not 18. <laughs> that would have been, been weird. No, 2008 and Iroquois Springs we oh. played. And that's the only time I've been there. Oh, I forgot all never about been, Iroquois Springs, we'd, yeah. We'd never been to that camp, never even heard of it. And we were yeah. like, oh, we've got a game here at Iroquois Springs. Okay. So we go and um, it must have been, I think maybe a young Neymar who was playing for their team, who was just tearing us up. Yeah, I think they beat us actually. We used to win quite a lot. We had a decent team, but they beat us like, I think six, three or something like that. Yeah. And this this Brazilian kid they had um, was just amazing. And I just remember, I just remember we kind of knew, I think we were getting beat six, two. And, and I think Edge and Dan took the kickoff and he just pinged one from the halfway line. Oh, because no. they'd lost, they'd lost the ball, and so they'd replaced it with like a size three ball, and he just pinged it, and it went in top back. That's amazing. And, uh, and yeah, so the football games were were awesome. I remember just really quickly. Sorry, I know I'm going on about these sports games. Oh no, go ahead. I remember going to Lakota actually. In must have been 2009, not 2019. <laughs> and um, I'd never been to Lakota either. And uh, obviously, we ended up merging with with Lakota. Yeah. And uh, Vinny had we'd sorted out this volleyball game and was like right so we need a team we've got like oh, people's in it you know like the the people who were like jonesy was you know the people who are like good athletes and, yeah. and played volleyball i think alexa played volleyball as well so i was just like oh okay i'll i'll, I'll come and play you know i've never played volleyball how how hard can it be anyway we get to lakota volleyball is like their specialist thing i think like oh really <laughs> yeah i think like volleyball is like their their deal at lakota so I see them warming up and I'm like, oh, okay, these are decent. So me and Oppie are just doing this, these like warm-ups where you're just bumping to each other. And I'm already feeling a little bit nervous. And I think Oppie senses this because when we're bumping, he just spikes it and it hits me straight in the groin area. And I'm like, and you know, and you're winded. <laughs> yeah. And so I felt sick. That whole volleyball. You can, you can feel it just below the ribs. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Like, I was winded <laughs> and, and I was like, why have you just done that? Like I'm on your team. Um, and yeah, I just remember feeling sick. They were really good. I think they beat us quite heavily. I used to love playing all the sports, going going to the other camps. It was great. Yeah. That was a nice thing. Because we did it with the kids, you know. I think we yeah, hosted we the soccer for the kids. Yeah, we is- would. Which is funny. I remember refing some games. It might have been 2008 while I was there because I was just kind of around when the trip wasn't happening. So I think I had to ref some of the soccer games. And that just taught me that I never want to be a ref. No, it was chaotic, wasn't it? I think I did it a couple of times. Insane. So tell us then, you know, obviously you're an assistant principal now. How would you say Cam prepared you for for what you do today? Well, obviously the the two go hand in hand, you know, teaching and then... And working with, with the kids. I still talk a lot in applications now about my time yeah. in, um, in at Neshopa because there's nothing else like it that, that I've done before. And, and I often reference it um, in interviews and stuff like that because it's such an important time to me. I also like deliver assemblies and stuff. What do they call them assemblies in America? What do they call them? Yeah, I think so. I think it's so. Where, it's, where you, it's where you just deliver to the whole grade. Yeah, you know, yeah. you just, and so. I do a whole assembly on camp where we nice. get the old photos up and stuff like that. And I talk to them about um, just how much of a worthwhile experience it was and stuff like that. I think what it prepared me for more than anything was just being able to really open myself up yeah. to be the person that I needed to be in that environment. I've I've always been, and this isn't meant to be the wrong way, but I've always been a bit of a lad, you know, yeah. kind of going out and having a good time with, with my friends and stuff like that. And this kind of lad culture that you've got in the UK of, of you know, going out for a few drinks and yeah. going to the football and all that. 
And then um, you get that completely different kind of environment where you can't shut off. If you do, you'll just be miserable. And so very quickly, you just have to completely let out your inner child without sounding too cheesy and let out your inner just craziness. And yeah. and and it's being able to kind of have those different characteristics when you need them sometimes in, in school. And, and when you're working with kids, you need to be, you know, you, there needs to be that, that, that general counsellor in you that needs to be, you know, to get the kids enthusiastic about whatever you're doing that day or yeah. They think it's really boring or whatever. Then you know, getting them up for it and, and getting them doing it. And I think I think it, what also prepares you for is just the relentlessness of teaching. You know, teaching is relentless. You yeah. are working. I mean, my wife's a teacher as well, so I'm lucky because we have similar schedules. But you you work. You, I mean, you get up and you go to work. And and I think there's a common misconception. I don't know how it is in America where oh, you're a teacher. You you start at nine and you finish at three. You know, I wish that happened. Um, you know, you you're working every night until you know, nine, yeah. nine, ten at night in, in the middle of the year. And that's like camp, you know, you're up. And, and I told you about those football games. We go and play them, 10.30 kickoffs. Back at 12.30, you'd be up at, at whatever time, you know, yeah. 7.38 for Reveille. And, and you had to be up. You had to do it. And when you've come straight from uni, which <laughs> is completely different, you kind of get up when you want and do what you want. It really <laughs> teaches you that, that discipline, yeah. you know, but also in a fun way. Yeah, it, it was massively. I, I cannot really put into words and do it justice how how important my experience at camp was, and and I really think it it, it went a long way to developing my character both both professionally and personally. So yeah, I, I can't I can't say enough good things about it really. Yeah, have you ever been listening to music and there's a song or two every time they come on, it just takes you right back. Yeah. So uh, weirdly, they're both Rihanna songs. Oh um, really? Okay. And I remember. Yeah. And I, remember, I can't, I wish I could remember which kid asked me this, but there was a kid and it must have been one of the younger ones when I referenced Rihanna and how, oh, she's really big in the UK. And, and the kid was like, you have Rihanna in the UK? I was like, yeah, we have Rihanna <laughs> in the UK. Um, and so one is Disturbia. Yep. And um, I remember this, I mean, that was it was a huge hit that summer. Yeah. And, and it was just kind of on everywhere whenever you turn on the radio. But why this particularly sticks in my memories because at college weekend so i was a dean of yeah. unc in 2008 and uh i mean college weekends intense still like three days isn't it and, yeah. or two days i think and so you've got to prepare stuff super quick and i think a halftime show we did not fill the time oh, so no. <laughs> so we were like oh what are we gonna do and uh i just said to mike because mike perlowitz i think was my um assistant dean and yeah. i just said to him look let's just put Disturbia on, but where it says Disturbia, we'll just say UNC. And so we did it. And it was like, that was like the last two and a half minutes. So Genius. that definitely, definitely <laughs> takes me back. We came third uh, in the halftime show, I think. Yeah. <laughs> um, three. And then the other one is Umbrella yeah. by Rihanna, which obviously was a huge hit that that particular year. And I just remember we had a few rainy days that year and the, the kids would just oh, put it on repeat. Uh, yeah. So those two take, take me back particularly. Um, whenever I hear those, I think about camp. Nice. That's good. You're one of the people that has been at camp in that, that, that yeah. end of that decade. So they're two completely new songs for me to add to the camp playlist that I'm going to put together. So that's yeah. good. Yeah. And obviously the, the last the last year of Neshopa, which before before it leaked, I like to think I was, you know, yeah, I wasn't the reason why they felt they had to merge. <laughs> I'll ask Doug. No, I'm going to interview the... Doug next, so I'll ask Doug. Yeah, if, if it's everything all your went fault. downhill. I think, I've had, from what I've heard, everything went downhill after 2009. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so imagine you know everything works out. A bunch of people are able to go back. You have a summer free. Family is taken care of. All of that good stuff. Would you go back and do it again? In a second. Yeah. 
in a second without hesitation i'd absolutely love it i mean again i've been really fortunate in the years following camp i've missed christmas with my own family to be with dan simone's family you know i've visited you know a bunch of people over there I've probably been over to new york more times than um the most actually you know f- yeah. following camp just because the friends i've made out there so i'm really really fortunate and and i'm lucky to have seen people uh again but yeah in, in a heartbeat, like I, w- I would do it again. And and I think immediately as, as a 35 year old man would, would slip back into that kind of camp, yeah. you know, that camp craziness and we've got <laughs> spirit. Yes, we do. <laughs> awesome. What would you take yeah. with you this time? If you could take something, whether it's something that would make your job easier or just a home comfort or a favorite snack, what would it be? I would, I would take, I don't know if it would be a lot. If, so we're not talking about customs, right? Uh, yeah, anything, don't, anything don't, that you want. Go don't ahead. worry, Steve. It's it's, yeah. it's nothing illegal. It's chocolate. Um, <laughs> you know, I've got a massive sweet tooth, and um, the the chocolate in America just doesn't cut it. So yeah. I would probably just have to take over. I think when for news agents or, or stores, they get these boxes, you know, which they're supposed oh, to put yeah. on display and sell. It's got like forty. Yeah, I probably take a couple of them just of like Galaxy chocolate. You know, That's good a solid chocolate right there. Good quality chocolate. Yeah. You know, when I saw Dairy Milk in uh, in America, I was really excited. And then I tasted it, and I don't think I've been as disappointed in my life. Yeah, Hershey's um, ever Hershey's ever had oh, dairy milk. Here. Hershey's, okay. I'm sorry, America. Hershey's tastes like vomit. Like, <laughs> awful. So it would definitely be chocolate. The, yeah. the crisps are much better over there, I would say. But really? they just haven't got it right. Oh, I, I think don't so, think so. I I, really? I miss crisps. Like I miss roast chicken, prawn cocktail. Like yeah. you can't make a good crisp sandwich here. You can't, you can't do get it. prawn cocktail. No. Oh, what? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Uh, maybe I might have to rethink that then. Please do. Yeah. <laughs> so any any other story, any other memory, anyone you want to give a shout out to? I think, you know, it would. there's so many people in so many different ways, small or big, you know, yeah. that, that have contributed to my experience at camp. And so it would just be really everyone. I mean, there'll be people listening who I've not mentioned and, and that. You know, it's not that I don't mean to, but everybody that I had an interaction with, I I had, you know, had had a big impact on me. Yeah. Obviously, you're talking to Doug soon. Hopefully, mm-hmm. you know, Doug, Doug, and and Zyke, Dave Zykowitz, they they'd be the guys who I would have to thank, kind of in that upper staff level. You know, Doug for kind of being really flexible with me in 2009 and letting yeah. me come halfway through and and that kind of stuff, and just giving me opportunities that you know he didn't have to, and that was really good. And and yeah, just. I, I, just a shout out to to basically my my the people that I have mentioned, you know, my my good friends who who I'm in a fantasy league with, mm-hmm. and just anyone that I have lost contact with, because it's not intentionally. If I could see all of you tomorrow, I would. And sometimes it's hard, you know, because you wish that you lived over there. Yeah. Um, so it would, and, and I know it's probably not any easier, but it's certainly easier than being not from my coast. Here. You know, no, and, well, and there's like two or three of us on this coast that I'm aware of. Yeah, but but no, I think I I, I don't have. I could I could sit here all night and talk to you about camp. You know, as, yeah. as I'm sure you could to to everyone who you've worked with. And I'm and I was only there two years. Um, three years. Sorry, my my only kind of regret really is that I didn't start sooner. And yeah. that's that's what I would have done. I would have started when I was 18 and then really kind of got stuck in. But I just feel fortunate to to have to have done it in the time that I have. And and just a shout out to you, Steve, for letting me come on this podcast because even just talking about it is such a nice thing because it, it's all positive memories and yeah. 
and it, and it just makes you feel good. So no, I appreciate it. And I appreciate what you're doing with the podcast because I think it's a really good idea. Well, thanks, man. I appreciate it. And thanks for coming on, you know, and hopefully it's an international break. So hopefully we Liverpool can get back into a rhythm. Hopefully. After not, that. not too bad at the minute. Not yeah. too bad at the minute. But hopefully you can get over and, uh, and we can go to a game one time. Yeah, well, as soon as... You know, as soon as it's safe and I can get over, we'll I'll come over, we'll go to a game, and then we'll go and TP Joey Carey's house. Big thank you to this episode's guest, Ben Wetton. It's always nice to be in the esteemed company of victorious Color War Generals for that green team. Nice to speak to you again, buddy. Join me again next time. I'll be speaking to another one of my old camp friends and discussing our summer camp stories. <laughs>